episode 65 for March 2009. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They want to help you pinch pennies by saving you dollars from your monthly comic habits. They have discounts that start at 38% and go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics. An example this month is New Avengers number 53. The cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com and tell them the crawlspace sent you. Hey, we're going to tackle the message board questions, and we start off with Stella's favorite, Steve J. Rogers from New York. Yay. <laughs> he goes, hey, gang, just a general panel question this month. After listening to you all trash John Byrne, it's chapter one. A couple months back, it got me wondering why Marvel never really does reboots as well as DC. Byrne was responsible for Superman, Man of Steel, Frank Miller's Year One, blah, blah, blah. But whether it's Heroes Reborn or Brand New Day, Marvel tends to churn out crap on a stick more often than not when it comes to a fresh new start for a character in the main continuity. Uh, so the question is, why does Marvel tend to churn out crappy reboots and fresh starts while DC tends to do a better job? Stella, you're his favorite. You answer that one. Okay. Um, well... I wouldn't say that, I guess most of the time DC does turn out uh, good things, but some of their year ones are not that good. I remember buying Metamorpho, and after reading the sixth issue, I questioned what I was thinking when I started. Um, I think, especially with Spider-Man, we've just heard the origin tale so many times that it's hard to build on it anymore. It's hard to freshen it up. So I think it's just repetition. You know, once or twice is fine, but after a while it starts to get um, a little too much, and I don't think people like that. So I don't know how... I don't know what other sort of origin tales have failed Marvel-wise, but I think Spider-Man, that is the big issue there. I think a new origin that succeeded at Marvel is Iron Fist. They, that new book, they've added more backstory to him, and it's made his origin even more complex and more interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, I would definitely agree with yeah. that. So, anybody else, what do you think? Why does Marvel screw it up? <laughs> well, I think, personally, that Marvel has always been more about continuing continuity than DC has. Yeah. Uh, DC can go back and change things because uh, they they were never as focused on that stuff as Marvel at least used to be. Uh, Marvel's kind of gotten away from that recently, but uh, and also DC has so many iconic versions of their characters out there, and iconism is really what they are all about. So when say recently Jeff Johns took over the Superman books, or he took over Action Comics after their latest history reboot with, with Infinite Crisis. And what he put in there was stuff that brought the origins and the characters closer to the iconic representations we know from movies and cartoons and stuff. So uh, they just basically have a different playing field than Marvel does, and Marvel isn't built that way. All right, Lockdown from Illinois. He says, hey, guys, I hope you all are doing well, especially you, JR. Speaking of which, I wonder why he's spotlighting you, JR. Speaking of, I hope everybody's doing it. Hey, because I just sound so pathetic, I guess, these days. So. Speaking, of, speaking of which, you guys missed out on my birthday celebration on the 1st. We had specifically designed chocolate Spider-Man logos in Chicago and even got a poster of the original 70s TV show from a worker. So, my two questions this month, both in the early 80s and, well, as the 70s and 90s, we got Nova and we got Darkhawk. They were considered the, quote, new Spider-Man of their day. Even today, they are still referred to as such. What makes them so similar and attainable to the Spider-Man mythos back then and now, today, with their relaunches. JR, you want to hit that one since he's feeling especially sorry for you, I guess? <laughs> I don't even really know what the question is. I mean, we got Nova and Doc Hark. They consider the new Spider-Man of the day. I don't know what makes them so similar. I never read Nova or Doc Hark. Yeah. So I, I have absolutely no, I, no idea. I read them both. It's the everyman quality. Nova and Dark Hark are very average Joes that got powers. So Well, they must be very average series because <laughs> uh, there's no one making multi-million dollar motion pictures based on them. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, and anybody read so. Nova and Dark Hawk back in the day? I did. I've, I read the new Nova for a while. Uh, I never read the old ones. I, at least from the new one from... Um, Annihilation and everything. I never really got a Spider-Man vibe from it, but uh, I over it. I hate to say this, Brad, yep. but over at DC, uh, uh-huh. Ron Mars, you know, created Kyle Rayner, the '90s Green Lantern, and everybody always said he was very much like Spider-Man, just because he was a younger guy, kind of an everyman, sort of wore his heart on his sleeve, 
And I, I don't know if you can call that a Spider-Man ripoff, really. It's it's a fairly fairly common character trait, yeah. but I think people start to point to Spider-Man because Spider-Man was kind of the original character, the original superhero character you could relate to. Right. And when you can, when you get one of these new, very relatable heroes, people like to think of Spider-Man, and that just goes to how much of an icon Spider-Man is, really. Uh, his other question is aimed at JR. Did you ever read the 1990s Green Goblin series, and do you believe that the series had a chance, even though they were on the verge of bringing back Norman Osborn? Uh, I read it uh, some time ago because I was able to complete the uh, get the series through the back issue bin. It really wasn't that bad of a series. I mean, it was written by Tom DeFalco, and uh, it was it was a, a turn on the young superhero. Except this guy was not the scientific genius that Peter Parker was. He basically lucked into these powers and lucked into this costume. He didn't understand how they worked. Uh, he took them out on test drives, and they didn't they didn't uh, turn out so well for him the first time. Uh, it, it was an interesting series, uh, although the, the the, the, the jargon was a little bit hard to stomach because I have a I have a hard time believing that teenagers really ever talk that way. But uh, did it have a chance when they were bringing back Norman? No, yeah. no. You really can't have a villain and a hero <clears throat> with the same name. And uh, they're really when it comes down to it, there is only one Green Goblin, uh, and that's old Storm and Norman. So entertaining series, but no, it didn't have a prayer yeah. of surviving. Uh, B Dog, he says, Brad, check this out. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. You're a bastard, B-Dog. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he had to do it. First one aimed at Kevin. Are you reading Booster Gold or Justice Society of America? I am, and I find them very well written, while JSA is by Jeff Johns and Booster used to be. Uh, I read the first arc of Booster Gold because it was Jeff Johns, but even Jeff Johns didn't make that very interesting to me. I found it kind of boring. Justice Society has been great under John's, but he's leaving in a few issues, so so am I. <laughs> Peace out. I'm out. Uh, yeah. To Brad, if you had to pick your favorite Spider-Man issue this year, what would it be? Web Comics and Spider-Man Family and Spider-Girl are allowed. Um, is that issue where Norman and the Thunderbolts were in Peter's par- Parker's apartment, was that uh, this year or last year? That was last year. Ah, shit. Uh, <laughs> this year, uh, you know, I can't name one. Um, um, well, you were giving them all B's and B minuses. You must have yeah, certainly liked Yeah, there's not, not <laughs> one that's been, there's not a Matt Fraction sensational Spider-Man annual out there yet this year, I think. Well, I mean, you could argue the, uh, Betty Brant book. Yeah, that was good. That was a good one. I think that'd be easily the best. Yeah. Well, well, Flash Thompson was last year, wasn't it? The Flash Thompson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, uh, J.M. DeMathis' Spider-Man's uh, family story was just this past month. Yeah, that that and one's what? not... I had a few th- problems with that issue, but I, I guess Betty Brant. Zach helps me out. I, I agree with that one. He he knows my favorites better than I do, evidently. <laughs> Stella, uh, his question is aimed at Stella. I had to read Macbeth. My goodness, we're all over the map. I, I had to read Macbeth for school this month, and I found it just okay. What's your take on Shakespearean <laughs> literature on a Spider-Man podcast? Question of Stella. Yay. I know, yeah, right? is, Well, it's fitting. Because... books have been written on that subject, for God's sake. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know how, how much justice I'll do. You got 30 question. seconds. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, let me talk really quickly then. Um, I mean, I can't remember. I've obviously read Julius Caesar. I've read Macbeth um, and, you know, the quintessential Romeo and Juliet. I think that while it could be argued that Shakespeare is dead, obviously, and so is his literature, I think that a lot of the points resound um, throughout our generation. Betrayal, a lot of... Um, Plot points, heavy breather. Um, <laughs> There's no heavy breather in Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I, yeah, I just don't know what to say. I mean, I enjoy it. Obviously, there are some that um, aren't as good as others, but I do have a funny little um, uh, aside for Macbeth. Uh, I read it my senior year of high school, and I remember watching a good movie adaptation of it and a bad one and the bad one was the actually Clancy version what yes the, the one Clancy that version? was oh. the Playboy version is that what you're saying yeah that sucked yeah. yes we watched that one in class so i did too yeah it's very strange <laughs> but naked witches yeah, I and just... a naked little boy <laughs> wow yeah. 
not I good. mean, I not think good. the one thing that I applaud Shakespeare on is the fatal flaws in his characters. They are human. No. So that's what I'll leave you with. That, that's why she's on the folks on the show, folks. That's why she's on the folks show. No, that's why she's on the show, folks. <laughs> I like it. We cover everything on the show. Uh, the next one is uh, aimed at Zach. We need more SpideyDude.com entries. What's up? I'm working on it, man. I've been moving. I've, been, I've basically been moving for the past month. Okay. Uh, as, as my latest posting on SpideyDude.com explained, um, I've been packing up since Valentine's Day and didn't get unpacked and still not unpacked through the 15th of March. So... I digress, and uh, my notes for uh, for uh, uh, Clonslaga Chronicles are somewhere in some box. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I I'm you working have, on it. I'm, you have a segment on the site called Clone Saga Spide- Spottings, right? Yes, sightings. you should you should uh, throw uh, Amazing Spider-Man Family Four in there because uh, Peter references clones. He does. He does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. I will uh, definitely. I'll have to get. I'm, I've got my scanner and everything hooked up, go. so I'll probably scan the uh, scan that particular one. Uh, I'm trying to get enough backlog on the uh, on the on those type of things and like the review for uh, Spider-Man X-Men number three, which was supposed to be on the crawl space, but uh, I took so damn long that uh, uh, Patrick took took over for me, which was I was very appreciative of. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm working on it. Hopefully, by this time next month, uh, we'll have a. Uh, Something to talk about in cool. terms of Clone Saga Chronicles. Last questions for Jr. Any plans for a Dark Rain essay? Oh, I wish. I wish I had plans for essays, but uh, my life is such a mess right now that uh, I don't have any time or room for it whatsoever. Yeah. I've even debated on pulling the plug on SKB, but I haven't yet. I haven't if yet. You, but, if uh, you pull the plug, you can post them on the site on the crawlspace. What do you think of that? Oh, okay, thank <laughs> you. But uh, I. You know, I uh, I hope in 12 months from now that I'll be sitting and laughing about everything that's been going on lately, uh, and I hope that I'll be back to writing. But, but boy, I just don't know. I uh, I just don't know, and I don't want to say anything more than that. But things just really suck right Aww. now. <laughs> F- Funny yeah. K from Scotland says, hello, lady and gents. I'm back. A question for each of you this month. Kevin, what was your thought on the death of Batman? Not that arc, but the actual fact that he's dead. Did Batman die? He- He's not dead. Okay. Um, they they advertise it as Batman R.I.P. and then you're supposed to continue into Final Crisis number six to see the actual death of Batman. And in the end, he is stuck in prehistoric times. Woohoo! He is. That was such a great story. So Batman with dinosaurs uh, or something? He we well, only saw a panel, <laughs> we only saw a panel of him uh, in a cave with some old ass caveman sleeping beside him, drawing a Batman symbol on a cave wall. What the hell? And uh, I'm not joking. I I wish I was, but I'm not joking. It was a terrible, terrible way to set the whole thing up. No. First of all, with having to go into Final Crisis to finish off Batman R.I.P., and then it was a terrible resolution. I mean, we all knew Bruce Wayne was going to come back, but did you have to do it like this? <laughs> So I'm looking forward to seeing some of the developments while he's not there. We've got some new Batman series starting. It, it looks almost definite that Dick Grayson's going to be Batman and Damian Wayne's going to be Robin. And we might even get Barbara Ooh. Gordon back as Batgirl, which would excite the hell Did out of me. Wayne? Yeah. Did you say a Wayans brother's going to be Robin? No. Damian Wayne, Bruce Wayne's son. Oh, Damian Wayne. That... I thought you said Wayans, like the Wayans brothers. No, Wayne. <laughs> Is that his son with uh, with Talia or the something? Yeah, Talia. yeah. No, it's uh, Talia Al Ghul, Ra's Al Ghul's daughter. There was a uh, there was an out of continuity story years ago where uh, Bruce Wayne basically took up the role that Ra's Al Ghul had always wanted him to, and kind of mm. uh, was living there for a while. And he ended up with Talia, and they had a child. But it was out of continuity until Infinite Crisis. Yep. And that did a whole history reboot. It was brought into continuity, so now Damien is this spoiled little brat son of Bruce Wayne. Sheesh. I thought Spider-Man's history was complicated. Good Lord. You have not read DC. Stella, what is your favorite film and why is Funny K's question. This was difficult because, I don't know, I really like a lot of films, so I'll give you three different ones that are just totally different. Um... 
The first one is Clash of the Titans. I've actually liked that since I was a little girl, and it really just steps into the whole fact that I love mythology and everything. It's it's sort of one of those um, B movies. I think Roger Corman did the um, the little uh, figures and everything. It was back a long time ago, but. Um, it follows Perseus, obviously, against Medusa and such. Uh, the second one, now I can't remember the second Oh, the second one really goes into the fact that I like movies that make you think. Um, movies that, once it's over, you don't get up right away. Um, you have to sit there and be like, wow, that was powerful, you know, you think about it. And The Constant Gardener uh, with Ralph Fiennes and Rachel Weisz is actually a really good movie. I recommend that. And the third one, which is really odd, is uh, Cruel Intentions. Hmm. Um, it is a crude movie. You probably wouldn't imagine me watching that. But <laughs> what really saves that for me is the fact that at the end, you know, that character got, he, his character got completely turned around. Um, he was such a terrible character, but I just love growth and having him actually be such a redeeming character at the end is what makes me really love it. So those are three different movies and why I like them. Have you seen Howard the Duck? <laughs> um, see, I don't know if I've seen that. I remember what happened to Roger Rabbit, okay. but I don't think I've seen Howard the see, Duck. See, I've seen Howard the Duck, but I've not seen any three of your movies, so we're even. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I saw Cruel Intentions, but that's just because there's a there's yeah. a lesbian scene, right? I think I I think everybody does. I think yeah. so. Uh, Jr., do you think sooner or later Marvel will screw up the character of Norman Osborn? Well, you know, uh, Spider Girl gets these questions about Shakespearean literature and, uh, and, uh, and cinema, you know, and I, and, uh, I get the Green Goblin, which, uh, which is fine, which is fine, because uh, unfortunately that seems to be why that in Star Trek seems to be the only things I know about. Uh, I can ask. Hey, I just get asked about DC. Man. I can ask you a Macbeth question, Jr. If you want. <laughs> Yeah, and I would and I would sit here like a slack jog troglodyte trying to think Me of it too. because I've never. <laughs> the only time I read Shakespeare was when I had to in Me high too. school. And uh, See, I've, I've, I've you know, always been into that kind of thing, but I think our uh, I think our audience thinks Stella is the most intelligent person on this podcast. She's probably right. I'd, I'd give it to him. <laughs> what? She's the one that won the quiz. I'd have to pretty well, uh, <laughs> pretty well give it to that. Well, anyway, Marvel going to screw the, up the Goblin. <laughs> well. Based on who they've got right, I mean, based, you know, I mean, they've got Bendis writing him in Dark Avengers, and that's been a pretty good take. Yeah. And uh, they've got, uh, and then the, the Thunderbolts, where he's uh, preeminently featured, that's been a pretty good take on Norman. Uh, boy, that's kind of pessimistic. I mean, it's cynical. When are they going to screw up Norman's character? I guess eventually, any character that gets overexposed, uh, you're going to give him to somebody who just doesn't know how to write the character, who or who doesn't understand it. So yes, it's inevitable that somebody. On, somebody out there is going to mishandle the character, yeah. but uh, but based on the uh, you know the, the the writers who are writing him now, who pretty well have the have control of his destiny right now, I would say that he's in pretty good hands right, right. now. So, Zach, what's your favorite Spider-Man story prior to the Clone Saga? And you're going to say the Clone Saga from the seventies, aren't you? Uh, you know, I, I, I thought about being a smart ass and saying that, but I include, as you will note in my art, as you will soon note in my articles, I include the '70s Clone Saga with the overall okay. Clone Saga. So I think I've, I treat that as one big story. Um, you know, I thought about this, and I really had to say my favorite story prior to the Clone Saga would have to be, and this is going to be kind of off the wall, but. Uh, 70, 176 through 180 of Amazing Spider-Man, the Bart Hamilton mm. Green Goblin story. Yeah. Because I remember it was one of the few times that my grandparents got me comics. And I'll never forget the iconic uh, – it's not really iconic, but uh, the, the cover for 180 where Peter is unmasked the Green Goblin. He says, you're not the Green Goblin. And then all of a sudden you see Harry. You're know, like, no, he's not, but I am. Yeah. You know, so I, I have fond memories of that one. Um other than that, I really do like the uh, McFarlane, early McFarlane run. Mm-hmm. I do too. And that, that's pretty much it. Uh, and the question to me, uh, who is your favorite Spider-Man, non-Spider-Man villain in the Marvel Universe? I'd have to go with Mag- Magneto. I've always liked him. I love him in the movies. I have. He's always the best X-Men villain. And I just dig him. So Magneto. And I, I even like that issue of Acts of Vengeance where Magneto went after Spider-Man. Which I thought that was a neat issue and uh, art by Eric Larson back in the early 90s. 
So, Dead Meat from Dripping Springs, Texas. It's been a while since I've asked a question. And damn it, I want to hear some gag reflexes. <laughs> there you go. Which artist do you dislike the most to have been on Spider-Man was the best issue that each have done? At least three artists and your issues must include Brand New Day since we already know which one artist is. So I, I'm not understanding the question. The artists we dislike, but three issues that they did that we liked? Is that what the question is? Yeah, I think what he's saying is which artist, of the artists that you, do, you dislike the most okay. who have been on Spider-Man, what is the quote-unquote best oh, quote. of the world? Oh, he's being sarcastic. See, sarcasm is yes. lost on the host sometimes. I'm sorry when I have to read these. Uh, JR? <laughs> when in doubt, go to JR. Well, the... Uh, I would have to say the artist that I've liked the least lately has been Humberto Ramos. Uh, the, uh, he thoroughly, he was the, the, the absolute wrong artist for that, uh, goblin story, the uh, death of the family. Uh, it just looked too, way, way too cartoony and too, uh, manga-ish. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, as far as what the, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. They all look the same to me. They all look like Pokemon art, yeah. so I couldn't pick out the best or worst issue that he'd done. So that's my pick. I'm to go with uh, Chris Bacello on that damn awful uh, Spider-Man the Snow story. 355 <laughs> or whatever that is. Or you've been picking on that one for the last Hell year. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Kevin, who do you hate? Who's your best of the worst? You took up, uh, the two of you took my two. Uh, Humberto Ramos and Chris Bacciolo yeah. are both completely and terribly wrong for Spider-Man uh, in all ways. I think, I don't think Humberto Ramos had a best issue. They, uh, they all look like some ass. You don't like you, Laniel <laughs> you either, do you, on Spider-Man? I don't like Laniel you, but as far as I remember, he's never been on a Spider-Man. I'm just talking, yeah, Avengers, but anyway. Yeah, Scott- I, I'd, I'd, oh. He had problems. He, he was always really veiny and sketchy, and I don't know what the hell was going on there. Stella, your least favorite artist? I would also say uh, Chris Vicello. Um If best is meant in a literal sense, I thought they were saying the best of the issues that they did. But yeah. That's right, isn't it? I, I guess. What's his worst issue? The best, even though they were bad. Um, so I think the best of the bad issues, obviously, that he did was probably the... Um, the anti-venom story and the extra three. Yeah, is that right? Or two, yeah. one of them. Yeah. Zach, what, what's your least favorite? Um, it was, it was heavy breathing uh, man in issue five ninety three. Um, I want to say, I mean, Roberto Ramos was pretty pretty pathetic. Um. And I'm going to say his best probably was the Doc Ock storyline where they tried to make him like Morpheus off of the Matrix. Uh, that was like, god awful redesign. Awful. I hated that. Um, uh, uh, that's probably his best though. Kevin, if you're still reading Witchblade in Darkness, what do you think about the evolving relationship between Sarah Pazzini and Pizzini. Jackie Estacado? Which would be Witchblade in uh, Darkness. Okay. Okay. <laughs> catch. I, I think. Um, Ron Mars is just a great writer, and he handles it really well. Um, there was uh, Broken Trinity was the event miniseries for this year, and there were three one-shots that came off of it. One of them was Broken Trinity Witchblade, and that was – I thought Broken Trinity as a whole was kind of a misfire, but the Witchblade one-shot was just great comics. It was great carrier, character-oriented story, and it really developed that relationship a little more. My problem is the way Phil Hester writes the Darkness book – Nothing can really ever come of it, but you know, if Ron Mars gets to do great character scenes like that, then I'm all for it. And his question to Spider Girl is: Coitus more firearms, or Coitus more fire? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Sounds um, dirty. It does sound dirty. What is he saying? Coitus more it's firearms. Coitus more ferrarum, and it's pretty dirty. It depends on if he's using coitus in a noun or in a um, verb form, but pretty much it means uh, sexual intercourse in the manner or the custom of uh, wild beasts. <laughs> wow. Hey, baby. Yeah. I don't know why I get those type of things either. <laughs> Dead meat, you're a dirty, dirty man. Uh, Spidey dude. Wait a minute. You posted one? 
There's a question for the gang. Why does everyone but JR pick on little old me? Oh, yeah, well, it's because you're a coitus more firearms. That's <laughs> Jack, Jack O'Lantern from Derry, Ireland. You guys pick on Spidey Dude because he makes posts like that. Yes, it's why we pick on him. Uh, there's other questions. Why do you think, what do you think of Howard Mackey as a writer before the reboot? And JR, what did you think of the story that had Peter and, and Osborne trapped in the lift together? I think we've said this before. We, we like Howard Mackey's stuff on Peter Parker's spectacular, or Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Long yeah. before the yeah. um, the reboot, I, I thought Mackie was solid. Yeah, the Mackie and Jr. Junior stuff was great. Yeah, it was awesome, and that lift story. I think Jr. has mentioned this before. It was a great story. Yeah, it's a good story. So. Yeah, I don't know what Howard. You know, I don't know what kind of pills Howard took uh, when it came time for the reboot. But whatever it is, just thoroughly, uh, thoroughly shot uh, his writing ability. Well, I think I know. think it's a matter of a guy being on a book too long and then asked to put out more content than. He's normal. He's he's used to. Like if you've been on the book seven years and you're asked to write two stories a month, that's really going to stretch you. And, yeah, yeah, it was just. Uh, I think he was at the end of his run. Overworked. <laughs> he was burned like, out. Like his Ghostwriter in the early '90s was very very solid. I love that book. Yeah. And that was innovative yeah. stuff. So anyway, we're not we're not Mackie haters. We just, uh, uh, in fact, I added him as a friend on Facebook the other day. He even had some decent stuff after the reboot. Oh. I mean, um, the Peter Parker Spider-Man, there was a story with Morbius and Blade that I enjoyed. Of course, I haven't read it for years. I might have just enjoyed it because of their presence, but I I thought it was yeah. good. He's definitely not a coitus more firearm. So, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> Remote Man. Hey, guys, love the podcast. Question for everyone. What would be your dream creative team on Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man? Thanks for your time. Dream team. Stella, who's your dream team? Um, I'll go with Dan Slott and Steve McNiven. Okay. Uh, Kevin, you got a dream team? Well, uh, if we're talking about people that have done it before, or if we're talking about anybody at all, it would be JMS and Mike Diodato. But if you want people that haven't done it yet, uh, the writer would definitely be Ron Mars. The artist would probably be George Jaunty, the guy that does the uh, Buffy Season 8 comic. Yeah. That'd be a great run. You know who my dream team would be? Kevin Cushing and um, uh, wait a minute, Mike Diodato. There you go, <laughs> dude. The check is in the you, mail. You would have to you would have to plug this site in every letter page. <laughs> oh god, you know, I'd, I'd I'd run like threads from the message board as the letters. Oh, there you page. go. That'd be awesome. <laughs> my previous statement about PayPal still stands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd offer to edit that out, but you know I never do. Uh, <laughs> JR, you, you you going with somebody new or are you going with somebody old for the drink team? Uh, probably probably somebody old. I I'd, I'd pay to see JM uh, D Mathis and uh, Lee Weeks uh, take a take a tour of duty at Spider Man. Yeah. And yeah. Zach, Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Schriever. Schriever. <laughs> Ben Skyver. You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll vote for Johns because I've heard nothing but good things about him. And he hasn't had, yeah, he he hasn't had a, I only base my opinion on him on his Avengers run, which I didn't think that was that great. So. No. Well, and even he admits that that wasn't his best work. He was kind of rushed. He was just getting into it. And I think he was unsure of the schedule and how long he'd be on there. So yeah. it, just, it wasn't the ideal environment for him to be doing it. Yeah. Uh, Jack Bauer from CTU says, everyone, what's your opinion is the best and worst portrayal of Peter Parker's Spider-Man on TV and film? 1970 series. That's the, that's yeah. the worst? <laughs> Nicholas yeah. Hammond. My worst would be Spider-Man Unlimited. Oh, yeah, I there is that. I think that's the absolute <laughs> bottom, bottom, followed by the Spider-Man Japanese show where he finds a spider in a cave. What the hell? I blocked out the unlimited series, man. <laughs> I guess the I guess the best crap. is Spectacular Spider-Man. That's that's the TV show and the movies. I think that's the best. I think the best would be between Spectacular and the '90s series. Okay, but Spectacular is quickly taking the spot. Uh, Stella is Green Lantern sexy. I can't I can't remember if Jack Bauer was the guy to ask me if. Um... Peter Parker was sexy or not, but just keep them coming as long as they're guys. Uh, Green Lantern. Yes. 
That'd be She's um, coitus for um, firearms. <laughs> I'll kill you. I will. Okay. So <laughs> um, I guess it depends on which Green, Lan- uh, Green Lantern we're talking about. Kyle Rayner, yes. Um, John Stewart, so yes. He's Kyle actually Rayner. my. Well, I just I don't like Guy Gardner. I think he's the only one that I find unattractive. Okay. Guy's a dick. <laughs> but uh, I think I think what the uh, the questioner was asking was when uh, Jade was Green Lantern. No. <laughs> I don't like green people. Yeah. By the way, Jack Bauer, <laughs> uh, Jr. Have you seen Jack Bauer's uh, signature pick with Data getting a win- yes. Windows blue screen of yes. death? I love that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I remember when you were commenting on how you liked his avatar with Harrison, Por- Harrison yeah. Ford coming up. The uh, but yeah, I like the uh, I like the Data I one too. too. That's that's a classic. That's a classic. Uh, Spider Tour Two from New York City. He's somewhat of a newbie. He says, "I need to ask." How on earth did you guys end up podcasting together? You guys live in different areas of the country, and from what I can tell, you've never met each other outside of Kevin and Stella. What is the insidious story? (laughs) Well, the insidious story is I built a website, and they all came to it, kind of like Field of Dreams. (laughs) (laughs) They came. It only took like moths to the flame. (laughs) Everybody started hanging out. And we all started. You know, me and Zach had been around for a while, Zach longer than me, and we both became admins. And when Brad wanted to do a podcast, he just asked his admins yeah. if they wanted to do a podcast, and we did. And then he added JR, and then we added Stella because, you know, JR had his website. He was very knowledgeable. We wanted him in there, and Stella had a great presence on the board, and then she did a great guest spot. So yeah. it was really all very natural. And. Yeah, it, uh, I, I'm the longest tour of ser- member serving tour of duty on the sh- on the site because I'm like they're pretty much the regulars that were on there when I was here when I first started are pretty much gone. gone. They've pretty so. much gone, yeah. And Jr., were you on the third episode? Is that when we we had you on? Yes, third episode. Number three. And he's been here ever since. So, but yeah, it's it's just a group that I've enjoyed talking to, and I think it makes a good panel to discuss Spider-Man. And Stella fit in quite nicely. She was the latest addition, and she, as you can tell, she, she uh, is well thought out. Brings a lot of literature. Good God, <laughs> she she uh, educates us boys a lot. So, uh, one other question: What do you? Th- and I love you what? I love the Avatar. Stop whining. Stop whining. We have some good avatars of Zigmix lately. Uh, one other question: What do you guys think about Marvel editing their open submission policy for artists? They've been notoriously tough on writers, a fact to which Kevin can probably attest to. But now yeah. they're extending their draconian policies to artists as well. So Marvel doesn't want you sending any shit to them. What, what do you think of that, guys? It uh, it hurts the industry, honestly. Um, Marvel's uh, they're not they've never really accepted open submissions from writers. You can. You could, anyway, you send a signed Marvel idea submission form saying anything you say to them can be appropriated, and then you can send an inquiry letter. You can't send any samples or anything, just an inquiry letter, which basically, if the inquiry letter says, I have all these novels published, then they'll talk to you. If it doesn't, you're never going to hear anything. Uh, but for artists, you could send open submissions, and now they're saying they're not going to do that either, and all they're going to do is, they say they've got these new talent scouts, so they, you know, they read, they read indie comics and they read novels and they watch TV and whatnot, and they're going to seek you out. You no longer come to Marvel. Marvel will come to you. Hmm. And really, they say it's because they don't have time to read submissions and whatnot. But let's face it, smaller companies with less staff and more work can read submissions. How in the hell can Marvel not hire one employee to sit there and read some submissions? Yeah. Uh, it's they're, a lot of the companies really today are choking out new talent from getting into comics. Even a lot of your smaller companies like Top Cow and Boom Studios and places like that, they don't accept submissions. You can't just get in there. And what you're supposed to do, what they tell you you have to do, is get into a smaller company first. And even the smaller companies won't take you anymore. So all we're getting is this influx of people from novels and TV and once in a while movies. And they just. They don't want these new writers that are actually passionate about comics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not going to draw people to getting the comics, and I. I yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing, though. What is 
what is good for the industry and what draws people to comics about getting somebody like Damon Lindelof in who will write two issues and not complete it for three years? I mean, what's what's helping the industry? Kevin Smith comes in and does and takes three years to do a miniseries. There, people will come in for the first issue and then they'll not stick around. Then you have your uh, your novel writers like Dwayne Swierzynski comes in, and I really don't think a lot of his uh, novel people have followed him to Iron Fist and Werewolf by Night. Uh, he's basically a new writer because only comic book fans are reading those comics. So. Yeah. Ed, they don't read Dwayne Swierzynski's books to begin with. He's just a new comics writer. Yeah. Although he's doing a great job on Cable. I don't know if you guys are picking up Cable, but he does a good job on that book. I'm enjoying his Werewolf by Night miniseries. Yeah. I really am, and I'm not knocking him at all. That's that's not my point here. Yeah. It's just that um, I, I don't agree with this policy, and even um, even if you're just going to want to look more towards people that have already had some things published, like Marvel has already done, really, the whole policy of don't call us, we'll call you, uh, that remove – what about those people that are really passionate about Marvel that maybe Marvel didn't read that particular indie miniseries yeah. they put out? The guy that has all those great ideas for this Marvel character that could resurrect maybe some old B-list character like they've done with the uh, cosmic side. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that's – you need the people that are passionate about Marvel. Jeff Johns got into comics without really doing anything else. He was passionate about the DC Universe, and he's revitalized right. it. When you're just pulling people from TV, they don't have that, this is what I want to do, passion. Bertone Beetle from Newport Ritchie, Florida. It's, uh, he's offering us $10 not to laugh on the whole show. Ha <laughs> ha, we just failed. Uh, <laughs> so well, there went the $10. Sorry, Bertone. Also, if you want to, he's, he's got a new column on our front page. Uh, remembering Gwen. He's given JR a run for his money. He's doing a little history of Spider-Man and focusing on the Gwen Stacy character. So check that out. His also, uh, his question is, uh, anyone else noticed the 90s series creeping its way into the 616 universe? It's now canon that the suit made Peter evil, even though that wasn't a concept associated with the symbiote until the 90s cartoon. And Oscarp was always called Oz born industry or some variation but never Oscorp until the 90s series any other examples or thoughts I thought the, well, look, I thought the suit made I thought the suit made him evil in the in the 80s and 90s but maybe that's no I did it just made him tired ah uh, that's true okay any other examples you can think of the 90s cartoon creeping in I know Kevin Kevin well, and, uh, oh, go ahead Jared. I was about to say, since Electro is not the Red Skull's son yet. No, I don't think so. so. <laughs> yeah, that was probably an epic fail right there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Spidey Sight UK has a Joker avatar. He says, hey, guys, questions for everyone. I like these. What uh, has been the hardest Spider-Man issue for you to acquire? Uh, I'd have to say uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 37. Uh, I went a good 10 years before I found a copy that I liked. And I picked it up last year for about thirty bucks, and it was in very fine condition in my local comic shop. So uh, I picked that one up. The, they had a two for one deal. They, it was cover price sixty dollars, but if you bought, uh, if you got two of them, uh, the second one was free. So I got Wolverine number one from the miniseries from eighty two, and uh, Amazing Spider-Man number thirty seven. So it worked out to be each book was thirty bucks. So that was my toughest one. Now the one I'm looking for is issue number 24 of Amazing Spider-Man. I have number 22, 23, and then 25 to current I have a collection of. But I'm looking for number 24. So I've been uh, searching eBay to find a good copy of number 24 to pick up. So that's my answer. And the next question is for JR. If you pick an actor to be Norman Osborn, would it be Willem Dafoe or would you be someone else? <clears throat> well, when they were first talking about originally you know, doing the character... I always thought that an actor by the name of Michael Ironside would have been a good Norman Osborn. Yep. I don't know if uh, I know who he is. You know, if you're, you know who Michael Ironside he was is from yeah, V. For, yep, yeah, he was Sam Tyler, the mercenary in V. Yep. He had the, uh, you know, I, I always thought that he would have been a good Norman Osborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he would have been, uh, he would have been my pick. Um, uh, another, I, I think, uh, I think that James Wood would have been an interesting Norman mm-hmm. Osborn. Yeah. Uh, I even think that, <laughs> thanks to Mike Diodato, I wouldn't have minded seeing Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> as Norman Osborn. I, I think Tommy but, Lee and, uh, and Michael Ironson are a little bit too old, though, don't you think? I think Norman's about 45. I don't know. Norman's 55. He is. Remember? He is. That's, remember, in Marvel Knights number 12, when Spider-Man said, Norman, you're 55 years old. Get out. You could have done it. 
what could you have done if it hadn't been for this Greek goblin crap? <laughs> so, uh, so no, Norman is Norman is a middle aged, firmly middle aged grandfather. Uh, wow. But uh, no, I uh, I don't know. It would have been interesting, but I think William Defoe did a good job mm-hmm. with it. So, uh, but I, I I think it would have been interesting to see it. And frankly, if he had been younger. And not so hammy. I think Jack Nicholson oh, yeah. would have been a good Norman. I'll give you that. But uh, but he was he was clearly too old yeah. uh, at the time. And plus, Jack always tends to play Jack. Yeah. But uh, but I, when you look at when you look at younger pictures of Jack uh, Nicholson, he definitely looks like. I think he does definitely look like Norman mm-hmm. Osborn. Uh, so anyway. Kevin, apart from Spider-Man: The Green Lantern, which other Marvel DC characters would you like to write, and why? And have you ever read Why the Last Man? It's brilliant. I have not read Why the Last Man. Um, Why? No, I'm just kidding. Shut <laughs> <laughs> up. There are there are a lot of characters. There are a lot of characters I'd love to write for. Um, you know, people like Nightwing is a great character. I'd like to write for the Red Hood. Uh, I've got a Daredevil story I'd like to write. I think one of my uh, biggest dream projects would be to write an actual Midnight Suns team book uh, with kind of the original Midnight Suns plus a few more modern additions, because the Midnight Suns were just sort of a loose association back in the 90s. They didn't have a book of them as an actual team. You know, you get Blade, Hannibal King, uh, Frank Drake, Morbius, Werewolf by Night, Ghost Rider, get all those people together, add in some people like Moon Knight, Hmm. and you could have a really great team book there. Yeah, I'd buy it. Heck yeah. Uh, Stella, what's your favorite Spider-Man issue? Um... I think I might have to pick it from the recent list and say Sensational Spider-Man number, wait, wait, Sensational Spider-Man annual number one. Um, mm-hmm. It was just a very heartfelt story, and it was one of those that when you're reading it, well, I guess if you're a girl, you know your heart sort of pitter-patters because it's it was just very beautiful. So. And Spidey-Doo, what's, what's the most you would pay for a clone Sagna take-two? So, Spidey Dude, what's the most you would pay for a Clone Saga omnibus? Probably preach edition. That's the. I mean, that's that's the deal. I mean, it'd, it'd it's more than five hundred pages, pages. I bet. Yeah, I mean, it'd be. God, it would be. I mean, just the seventies plus the very beginning of the Clone Saga probably would be about five hundred pages. Um, I think it would. I mean, I wouldn't mind if it was seventy-five dollars a piece because I mean, you could space it out. Do one every. Well, all the omnibus editions are a hundred dollars, though, so you think you got to be paying at least that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I thought the Captain America one was only seventy-five. Well, well, I think that one was uh, smaller because uh, so like the Tomb of Dracula omnibus, omnibus had about uh, thirty-four issues in it, and that was about a thousand pages. And there's a lot more Clone Saga yeah. than that. True. Um, just just the four main core titles. I mean, that's thirty uh, twenty two pages times four. So I mean, that's eighty eight pages right there. Uh, just for one story arc, for the most part, or especially early on. I I, I would say about a hundred dollars. I mean, it'd probably be about five or six. Would you Would you buy it even though you have the issues? Um, I would because it's so much easier to reference an omnibus yeah. as opposed to a a digging through my box. Yeah. And I don't have all the issues yet. I'm still, I mean, I'm still in the process of getting. Uh, I've gotten most of the spectacular run and most of the uh, Peter Barker run. Um, working on uh, finishing up Web, and uh, this is, the early sensational issues have been really elusive hmm. to, for me. Right. Uh, I, I can't seem to get uh, like issue six, the last Dan Jurgens issue, mm-hmm. um, and like some of the early uh, power and responsibility. That that's been. Those early, early issues have been really tough. Have too. you tried uh, mycomicshop.com? Did they have them in stock? Or um, uh, last time I checked, they did, there was a couple they didn't have. Okay. But they were I, they were getting okay. some more in. So. They used to have, try eBay, man. eBay I, too. Yeah, I found I've been uh, buying a lot of Spider-Man back issues for crawlspace research, and I found a lot of good stuff on there for cheap. Yeah. Uh, Hertz, who always hurts me every month. I enjoy Hertz's questions. Uh, hello, everybody. Hope all is well. I was going to start with the GL joke question, but seeing how that's already been done, we'll just skip that and go into the real questions. By the way, I had picked up Marvel Masterworks Volume 1 and really enjoyed it. So now on to the questions for real this time. They are, what's your gateway Spider-Man? Is he talking, is he talking about the, the book that would get people in to enjoy it? Is that what a gateway is? 
says, what was yeah. your gateway? I, oh, what so what I, was I your gateway? What, okay. what got us in Spider-Man oh, okay. is the way I... My gateway is Electric Company, Spider-Man, back on PBS. That was the oh. 90s. What was your Stella? Um, if we're taking it that way, I suppose... It's really hard because I remember knowing Spider. I guess I would have to say my brother. Can that be a gateway? He's your gateway. It's however you get get, okay. get into knowing him. I guess. Okay. Yeah. There your you brother, go. So your brother read what Amazing back in the nineties or whatever. Um. Well, he had um, older comics. Okay. Um, and so, because there's kind of an age difference between us, but yeah, we used to kind of bond over those. So. Kevin, what was your gateway? The 90s animated series, absolutely. JR, I think I remember yours. Was it your mom bought you a comic book and you were sick? Um, yeah, actually, uh, yes. I had uh, I uh, had um, strep throat. Right. And uh, she ran and grabbed, uh, went to the uh, newsstand and grabbed some comics for me. And uh, one of the the one the only one that I remember at this point in time, I, th- I think it was one of the uh, the uh, Spider-Man annuals at the time where they mostly reprinted older stories. Yeah. But uh, I... I definitely, I think it reprinted Amazing Spider-Man number 50. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I think that was my uh, my first exposure to the character, yeah. And Zach, what was yours? Uh, probably my, I mean, my gateway was my dad. Yeah. I mean, he's the one that got me into it. Uh, I mean, that, I mean, if you're looking as, as opposed to be, being my gateway drug, it would be Spectacular Spider-Man 223. I mean, that was, uh, and then following that was... Blood Brothers arc, which was a really good time to get in the Clone Saga. JR, do you remember those elect? I've been posting them on the main page. Do you remember those old Electric Company skits? Yes, I do. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, I, I definitely remember those. I, What's I remember yeah. ir- irritating my father because <laughs> I used to have the Electric Company would come on at dinner time, yeah. and I would turn up the TV real loud so that I could hear whether or not Spider-Man was going to come on because you never knew when he was going to come on. Right. And uh, after a while, my father said, "I'm sick of listening to the Electric Company at some time." <laughs> and that was that was pretty well the end yeah. of that. But yes, I, I definitely do remember those old uh, uh, those. Old and uh, I ha- didn't remember this. I've been slowly posting the clips that they have on YouTube on our main page. But as Spider-Man makes a duck sound whenever he has a word balloon over his head. <laughs> What's up with that? I did. He makes some pretty obscure. He makes some pretty yeah, duck like there's a word balloon. Just weird, weird, weird. Uh, well, you're supposed, you're supposed to you're supposed to develop your reading ability by uh, reading what Spider-Man is saying. Yeah, I mean, I so. did. I mean, it worked. Yeah. So, uh, Hertz's other question is, have you ever been able to see the second season of Spectacular Spider-Man? If yes, then what did you think of it so far? I have not, but a lot of people have been watching on YouTube and other sites. that uh, they, they aired it in Canada and other parts of the, uh, the country before the United States. So has, has anybody seen season two yet? I've no. seen the uh, first five or six episodes on YouTube. I haven't caught up since then yet, but it's it's pretty darn good. That's it's awesome. still going strong. That's awesome. I'm waiting. At, uh, it's coming on Disney XD uh, March 23rd. Is that right? I'll have to. I right. would wait. I would rather watch it that yeah. way, but I don't have Disney XD, so YouTube's really the only way I'm going to be able to see it before DVDs come right. out. How about Stella? Do you have Disney XD? Are you going to be able to see it? I have it um, at my parents' house, but not here at college. But I've been, like Kevin, I've been watching it on YouTube. And I very much enjoy it. I don't want to spoil anything, but I was kind of upset with Peter's ultimate decision in Girls. Uh-oh. It seemed very strange, but yeah. How about you, JR? Do you get that channel? No. No? That sucks. <laughs> uh, pretty much it's going to be me and you, Brad, yeah. if, if my dish guy comes, because he's supposed to call myself yeah. on, which is currently missing. Uh-oh. So, Stella uh, stole it. Uh, number three, is it a good idea for a long-running book to have writers who have been or are fans of the series or writers from previous eras to work on books in the future due to their enthusiasm for and knowledge of the characters? Or does that situation lend itself to stagnation and possibly perpetuate the si- cyclical, uh, s- no, cyclical, <laughs> Stella? Are you sure you learned how to read on the uh, Rainbow Connection? Wow. <laughs> oh, that was butterflies in the sky. I can fly twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. It's re- okay. Cyclical. Rainbow Connection. No, no, that's re- reading Rainbow. I'm all confused with my Rainbow is because of Stella. The, okay, take two. Or does the situation let itself to stagnation and possibly perpetuate the cyclical nature of comics? Hey, I got through it. All right. 
<laughs> Good God, what the hell does that mean, Stella? You take that one. <laughs> no, no, the whole damn well, question. I mean, you, pretty you got it. Asking, I would say if you were to break that down, um, if there are fans that are writers um, writing on the book, does that help or does that hinder the book? Um, I think overall it helps. Obviously, if they're fans, that means that they have a an attachment to the the character, and they're not going to want it to go by the wayside. They're going to put all their their strength into it and try to make it the best it can be. Um, sometimes I think that if they've been a fan for a very long time, that perhaps. Um, they might be biased towards a certain era and always try to make it that way. Um, but I would actually like to hear what Kevin has to say on that. He's a writer. So, Kevin? Um, I think it's you can't really stereotype a, a group like that as writers because you're going to have some people that, uh, I mean, we're seeing right now fans of the 70s comics that are bet- – not only are trying to make it like the 70s, but they've reverted the entire status quo to the 70s. And that's a huge problem. But then, uh, you know, sorry Brad, but I'm referencing Green Lantern again. <laughs> you've, uh, you've got somebody like Jeff Johns, who is a big fan. He's even a fan of an older era. He preferred uh, the Hal Jordan Green Lantern, so he went so far as to resurrect him. But he is pushing the whole thing forward, and he's doing new stuff. Uh, while making it still iconic. You know, you, you've got different kinds of fans out there and different kinds of writers. I think overall it's better to have fans on the book because you don't want somebody in there that, you know, A, doesn't know their history, and we've seen that happen, and that just pisses off the fans, mm-hmm. or B, just doesn't care, uh, doesn't respect the history, and will kind of try to make it whatever they feel like making it, maybe what they... You know, they've their only experiences with the movies or something, and they're just going to try to write the movies, and that doesn't work. It's always better to have somebody that knows the material, loves the material, and has some investment in the character. It's just a matter of whether that writer is, you know, that writer can do stagnation or they can push things forward. It's completely dependent on the writer. I think we're on the wrong end of the spectrum right now, but hopefully we go back. Uh, Specchio is his first post, so welcome, Specchio, and he says he wants me to read this like Larry King would, so here we go. End of time, hello, thanks for taking my call. Long-time listener, first-time caller, here we go. Uh, was that bad? Okay, never mind, who cares? Uh, <laughs> his question uh, for us on the podcast of played Spider-Man Web of Shadows, the video game. Uh, he loved it, and he's uh, found it really addictive, and he wants to know if we liked it, and if we would like to see a sequel. I've played it, I've beaten it, I love the game, I would love a sequel. Zach, I think you picked it up, didn't you? Yes, I did, and I did play it all the way through and beat it. But here's the deal. Okay. Could they have picked the biggest whiny bitch to be Spidey's voice? True, I mean, this guy, he was irritating me within the first 20 minutes. I was going, okay, Mary Jane! Oh, God! He sounded like the Wicked Witch of the West, evidently. (laughs) I know. know. Yeah, I I thought the voice acting of Spider-Man was horrible. Josh Keaton should have done it, I think. Or Tobey Maguire or somebody. Uh, Anybody else play it, liked it? I'm not a gamer. And Stella, you have, did you play it on PS2? I hear it's horrible on PS2, though. Yeah, you told me it was bad, so I didn't. And I'm actually waiting for the Phantom $100 price drop of PS3. So we'll see maybe if I try it. Jared, did you pick it up for your son on the Wii? Uh, yes, we got it on the okay, Wii. Cool. Uh, and uh, Spencer, did you like Spider-Man Web of Shadows? You did, huh? You beat it, right? Aw. You, you beat it two times. Okay, is it your favorite Spider-Man video game, or did you like another one better? <laughs> Spider-Man Web of Shadows is your favorite. Oh. Okay, so we uh, we've heard from uh, we've heard from the uh, young brigade. Did, did so. you play it, Jared? Yes, did you like it? No, I never, never played. played it. I don't, I don't play it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, the second question is: I've gotten the impression from the panel that we generally dislike Maximum Carnage. Uh, why did we dislike it? And I, I liked it. I'm on record as saying I liked it back in the day, but I have not read it since '93. Jr. hates it, I think. Right? You know, you, it's one of my worst Spider-Man stories. Why'd you ever. hate it? Well, because it's the same thing for 14 issues. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, Spider-Man, you know, he and Venom get together. Spider, uh, Venom calls Spider-Man a limp-wristed pussy. You know, and it's, you know. <laughs> 
Because Spider-Man won't kill Carnage, you know, and and this goes on all the time, you know, and and, and then they have a free-for-all, and then a new villain joins, and then another free-for-all, and then a new hero joins, and it's the same thing, and the worst thing that happens is Black Cat sprains her ankle, and that's the worst amount of damage that's done to anybody. Uh, well, wait a minute. I think Carnage tortures Venom there for a little while, but no, it's just it's just nonsense. It's just utter nonsense. It would have been a fine, supersized issue, but to have it stretch over fourteen issues and be the only story that's being told for three months was just was just excess at its most wretched worst. Okay. Uh, his other question is: I recently reread New Avengers from beginning to past or present. I mean. Back to the future, sorry. Beginning to present, in issue 50, Spider-Man has a little monologue during the battle with the Hoods gang. He says, quote, man, you, you say what you want about me, good looks, uh, gravitas, uh, iconic costume design, but man, does my timing el sucko. They asked me to be an Avenger when I was in high school. I said no. They asked me to be an Avenger when I was in college, and I said no. Young adult, nope. Now I say yes. Now when there's no mansion, no butler, no tower, no Quinjet, no big A, on it, I get to hide in the fake Captain America's basement and wait for things like this. I truly am a genius. So, uh, reading his monologue, uh, Specko said it made him reflect on his role with Spider-Man. There's no question they belongs there. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So I guess what I'm a- asking what you think the problem is and what resolution you would like to see, as in Mr. Cushing's case, how would you make it, how would you handle it if you're writing Kevin, Spider-Man does on Spider-Man Avengers? belong in the Avengers? Basically is his question. Uh, yeah, absolutely he does. From a sales perspective, of course they want Spider-Man to be in that book because it'll sell. And also from uh, a character writing perspective, he's really one of the oldest heroes around now, not age-wise, but he's been around for a long time. He's he's very powerful. He's brilliant. He's he's one of the smartest people on Earth, really. And Yeah. Yeah, he's somebody you want on, on the Avengers no matter what. I mean, I I love JMS, but... I don't think really making the Avengers his supporting cast in Amazing Spider-Man was the best idea. I'd personally keep things relegated to having Spider-Man in New Avengers and then letting Spider-Man have his own adventure in his own book. Like, you know, you don't see the New Avengers appearing in Iron Fist all the time, but he's on the New Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some separation with some acknowledgement is the best way to go, but Spider-Man should definitely have a bigger role in New Avengers. I think it's just that... Uh, Bendis writes Ultimate Spider-Man, so he writes Spider-Man so much, and it's a different Spider-Man, he's not trying to feature Spider-Man in New Avengers, and maybe he's... Maybe he's afraid to feature him too much, because he's afraid he'll end up writing Ultimate Spider-Man, which is kind of evidenced by that little uh, inner monologue we just gave, because that doesn't sound incredibly like Spider-Man to me. I I can't see Spider-Man calling Bucky the fake Captain America. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's... New Avengers is it is what it is. It's mostly an event book. It's not really meant for deep characterization most of the time. And I know Jr. has kept back on his book. Did you drop that one, Jr.? Are you still picking? Yes, that I did. One? Okay. Yes, I did. Yeah, mainly because Spider-Man really isn't in it much. That and that and it's three ninety nine. So yeah, true. But yeah, I, dro- I dropped it during Secret Invasion when the Avengers weren't in it at all. It was just scrolls. Yeah, it was like one shots of one character spotlight each issue. So. Uh, Specko's last questions to me is Mr. Douglas, just call me Brad, please. As a longtime listener, I've enjoyed your insane collection of Spider-Man songs that you use on the podcast. I thought you might check this one out. A medley of the Maximum Carnage video game. Did anybody play that Maximum Carnage video, video game? I didn't. Back in the uh, day. I wasn't a gamer back then either. <laughs> yeah. Zach, did you play it back in the day? I think I played almost every one, like, up from that point on. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. Okay. I like I, I like separation anxiety a little better. Yeah. Uh, Donald Mark from Arkham Asylum. Hey, guys, just a general question that I hope everyone will chime in with their thoughts. In the past, you guys have discussed the future of Norman Osborn and what his character has gone through lately. He's become so important in the Marvel U that he's either getting overexposed or over-accelerated from being Spider-Man's number one adversary. My question is this. Do you think that the creative team, the brain trust, or whatever the hell they want to call themselves, I think they're the web heads now that just aren't. <laughs> just aren't taking Spider-Man's character seriously. It certainly seems that after the year's worth of fluff being what they see as new and fresh is that they just don't see Spider-Man as any more than a guy who fights purse snatchers and costume criminals, because if you examine every other Marvel hero out there right now, their books have a much more serious tone to them, while Amazing Spider-Man comes off as a Saturday morning cartoon type of book. Someone once said that it would be bad for 
or bad fro, bad four, <laughs> Norman to go back to being Spider-Man's number one enemy again. That really doesn't speak too kindly about our favorite webhead, does it? JR, I'm going to you on that one. Oh, wow, that's a lot to swallow. I know. But I don't think, I, I don't think, I don't think there's any connection between what he perceives as Norman Osborn's, uh, emergence as a prominent villain in the Marvel Universe and what he perceives as Spider-Man's decline. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're connected at all. I just think that, uh, you know, Marvel has gotten around to realizing what a great character Norman is and has decided to put him on a, uh, a larger platform. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, the, 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 thing, the problem with Marvel right now is that it persists in seeing Spider-Man as this, uh, you know, they, they want to make him this generic Archie Andrews type. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one who never ages, never grows, never matures, and, you know, and is always there to sell, you know, to sell children's underwear. Uh, you know, that's the problem with Spider-Man. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they've decided to elevate Norman Osborn beyond just a, beyond just a Spider-Man villain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, until Marvel, until Marvel decides to treat Spider-Man as a character instead of as a corporate mascot, then you're always going to have, you know, mediocre Spider-Man. So I, right. I think, I hope that answers this question. So. Still a nerd is our last question from the board. He says, hello, gentlemen and lady. Here's my question to all of you. Let's say you could, go, and, the, and the dog, uh, let's say you could go back in time and editorially change one particular aspect of Spider-Man's creative direction. For example, you would make it so that Steve Ditko got his way and that Peter Parker never really, never really actually aged physically. He always stayed in high school but still grew in maturity as a character. So for each of you, what would be the one thing you would change about Spider-Man or his history and why? And I know what you're all thinking, and the answer is no. One more day does not count because it's just too damn easy. Besides, thanks to Kevin, where I know what Spider-Man would have been like if that would have been changed. So, Kevin, you hit it first. What would you change? I can't do one more day, huh? No, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I would change the end of the Clone Saga. Yeah. Um, not, not in bringing back Norman, but in turning Ben Rowley to dust. I think, uh, I know why they did it, because they knew they had to put a nail in the coffin of this whole clone mess that they had created, but, uh, they created it. <laughs> they didn't have to, I think, throw away a great character just because they had made a mess. And I hate seeing that kind of thing happen, and he could have, uh, he could have a role in the comics today, and it would have been interesting to see how he had grown and changed over these years. Um, I would have still brought Norman back. I, I think I was initially thinking that was a bad idea, but they've done some good stuff with him since then. Yes, I killed him off. I, I do think there's a, there's a time for that, but I don't think bringing him back was a bad idea. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would not have killed Ben Riley. Yeah. My, my, my answer to his question is, now, if we're going back in time, we have to wipe it from everybody's memory of this event. And I think if you could wipe it from everyone's memory, I think the marriage and Amazing Spider-Man 21 should have not happened. I will, I, and you guys will be Whoa. upset with me. But I, if they would have taken a different turn, and because that was a happy ending, and Peter Parker never gets a happy ending. And I think it, it, we wouldn't be in such a mess that we are if he wouldn't have got married. But you'd have to wipe, see, you'd have to wipe all the 20 years of marriage stories out of, out of existence, though. To me, though, saying that is exactly the same thing that the editorial team just has wrong it, because it's not an ending this is serialized ongoing fiction i mean, he didn't he didn't get a happy ending because he didn't get an ending it uh it keeps going on it keeps growing he keeps having different problems it was just a progression of his character yeah i would also wipe uh the the venom after he escaped the jail in the mcfarland era where he became the um the villain that does good deeds. I think you should have not created Carnage and just made Venom just evil. The like, lethal protector. The, yeah, the, delete the lethal protector thing and make Venom just a badass, uh, evil villain. So. Alright, who, uh, who else wants it? Stella, you want to tackle it? What would uh, you delete? Uh, See, one more day that, I mean, I don't That's know. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, I guess Civil, 
I don't know. This is really hard because there's so much time of history. I think I would actually put Spider-Man on the side that I really think he should have been on um, in Civil War. So I think this counts. Um, and put him on Captain America's side. So I think that would be the one regret uh, or the one thing I would change. And also I would change him not having vomit filters for his mask because after he, he kissed Greta, they were probably regrettably needed. So. <laughs> uh, do, Zach, you want me to... Zach just informed me his Dish Network guy is there, so he can, we can't really go to him unless you're on the line. Zach, you still there? Okay, ask the Dish guy what Spider-Man history he would change, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps up our last show for March. Before we go, I want to thank MailOrderComics.com for sponsoring the show. An example of this month's great prices is Essential Spider-Man Volume 9. The cover price is 20 bucks. Mail order has it for $12.39, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com.